0: In Cleveland Heights, the question for residents is a matter of change. Signs lining the lawns urging the more than 32,000 voters in the city to either vote to keep or change the way they've governed themselves for 98 years. I was asked to serve by council and spent 16 months on the Charter Review Commission. Our
1: nonpartisan objective was to make clearly reasoned and broadly supported recommendations regarding form of government and what is in the best interests of Cleveland Heights.
2: We have a chance to really make a difference uh, in our government, and I hope that we will be able to do that in our work on this commission. So, the motion is before us.
3: I am a proud supporter of our council
1: manager form of government, which has served our community well for nearly a century. And I am a supporter of Cleveland Heights Citizens for Good Government. We, the Citizens for Good Government, have stated consistently that the change to an elected mayor will subject the city to partisan politics at its worst. That Charter Review Commission was made up of a diverse group of talented,
3: smart, thoughtful, hardworking, independent, and caring citizens who, as you've already heard this evening, carefully studied that issue for over 16 months and voted 11 to 2, as I recall it, in favor
0: of retaining our council manager form of government.
1: And I say to those of you in the audience who are considering the elected mayor system, watch what you wish for. There's this concern that if the residents of Cleveland Heights choose to create an elected mayor position, that all of a sudden, Cleveland Heights will become Tammany Hall. So let's have a civil debate and a discussion that focuses, robustly so, on the merits. And let the chips fall
3: where they may in November. Let the voters decide what's in the best
0: interests of our city. Citizens for Good Government has conceded this election. I think
1: this election and the work that CEM did and all the volunteers showed like what Cleveland Heights
3: is about. I knew that we were going to end up at 63 to 65 percent,
0: but people wouldn't listen to me. However, I'm so glad the voters have spoken. It's going to be a big change, and obviously the voters want that. Hey,
3: I am stunned, I'm amazed, and I'm grateful and humbled. The the citizens of Cleveland Heights will have a say over who they want to be the mayor.
0: Thank you, voters.
3: Seriously, don't try to
1: stop the citizens from voicing what they want. Ragtag group of 10 people, man.
0: None of us even knew each other before this effort began. We became a (laughs) well-functioning team with everyone contributing in a big way. At the end of the
3: day, we all care about this great city that we call home. We all want it to be better, and together we'll do that under an elected mayor in two more years. Hello, and welcome to episode one of Due Diligence. Uh, Today's episode should serve as a good primer for anyone who wants to know how we ended up where we are today in Cleveland Heights, gearing up for an election season that will see us casting votes for mayor the first time in the 100-year history of Cleveland Heights. We'll be following the candidates up through the primary this summer and then through the likely runoff in November. I'm your host Adam Dew and I'd like to thank my friend Eric Silverman for agreeing to co-host. Eric is a lifelong resident of Cleveland Heights, Heights graduate. He served multiple terms on the Cleveland Heights School Board and is generally one of the more knowledgeable people that I've ever met when it comes to Cleveland Heights history. He's also a photographer and owner of a clothing company. Eric, would you uh, like to tell us a little bit more about uh, what you're up to right now?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I just, uh, I did, uh, I was elected in 93 at the age of 24, did uh, two terms on the school board, uh, then uh, created, created and ran the Alumni Foundation for 15 years, was appointed to the library board, did a seven-year stint there, and then got uh, reelected to the school board again in 13 when we renovated the high school um since this is the shameless plug opportunity uh i do uh, my hobby and side business is architectural photography so you can take a look at that at dudeabouttown.com and then my side business has a side business where i am very fond of doing uh, spirit wear i didn't do your hat i must clear that clear that up but so if you're looking for good heights and and shaker spirit wear uh,
3: heightsclothingcompany.com well um A little bit about me. I'm uh, also a Heights graduate. I went on to study journalism at Northwestern. I built a video production company in Chicago, and then in 2013, my kids were ready to go to school. I came back to Cleveland Heights with my wife, who's also a Heights grad. Uh, Do Media is my company. I'm available to help with all your video production needs. And uh, you may have seen the uh, Cleveland Heights All Are Welcome uh, video. One of our guests today was featured in that video, actually, Uh, and uh, that was my work I helped Monique Smith flip house district 16 from red to blue uh, doing some video production for her over in Rocky River uh, Westlake this past November and then I started memory bank which is a service that will professionally interview your parents and grandparents on video get their life story and family history captured for future generations and it's just getting going memorybankmedia.net or do to find out more Net- to the topic at hand Eric yes sir you know we i want i had this idea to start this podcast because i i want to support the heights observer the heights observer i think is uh essential uh to the future of cleveland heights and to making sure that our government is held accountable and i want to do everything that i can to make sure that the heights observer um is you know responding to um the people and on our needs and and keeping government uh in check and i think that uh now is a great time um, to sort of uh, to reexamine examine um, where we are and how we got there and to follow this uh, unique process of electing our first mayor. And we're going to get into dealing with uh, the candidates and, and um, their positions and who they are and what their interests are and who's best for this city. But right now, I think the most important thing is for us to look back on how we got here, um, why we are why we've decided collectively to uh, to elect our first mayor here this year, and um, the two people that we have joining us were pivotal uh, in in getting us here. And uh, uh, Jessica and Tony, why don't you join us? Jessica Cohen and Tony Cuda are joining us today, guys. Thanks for thanks for coming in, Tony. Jessica Cohen, uh, an 11 year resident of Cleveland Heights. She is a mother of four and she is the uh, current chair, Jessica, current chair yeah. of the Cleveland Heights planning commission. And uh, she's served in various capacities uh, over her 11 years here in Cleveland Heights serving the community. And uh, the reason why we're happy to have her here today, she was also the vice chair of the charter review commission, which you will hear more about uh, coming up shortly. And, uh, and Jessica, are we allowed to say, Something about your potential impending candidacy as well? Would you like to uh, tell us where that is? Are you gonna run for council?
2: Sure, well, I have pulled petitions. I'm uh, finalizing a few ethics compliance checks with my employer, but I look forward to announcing and and getting some groundwork pretty soon. I'm excited about it.
3: Great, good luck. Thank you. All right, and Tony Cuda, retired uh, teacher from the Shaker School District. I mean, are you a lifelong resident, Tony?
0: uh we moved here in 1960
3: okay so nice. <laughs> yeah you've seen it all i'm guessing uh, so. seen, yeah. uh and you're in several bands tony like is there
0: your uh, musician? and you know the last year hasn't been too active but uh right. yeah sure i i love music and i'm very involved in it
3: okay and tony is currently a finalist for um melissa Yazanow's seat on uh, on city council uh, a seat that um is elusive, uh, to say the least, uh, in terms of filling it. Tony, are you um, are you expecting now that that seat's never going to be filled before November? Are you going to be um, just going to run generally in November? Yeah, I
0: think uh, yeah, I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way. I think I'm just going to run. Uh, you know, it's been a year, so I think <laughs> it's time to move on and just you know get things get things going myself.
3: Well. Uh, The reason why we wanted you here today, though, Tony, was not to talk about your candidacy, but to talk about the fact that you helped found Citizens for an Elected Mayor, which uh, a group of Cleveland Heights citizens who were generally not happy with the findings of the Charter Review Commission and uh, decided to take the issue to the people of Cleveland Heights. Issue 26 was the, the issue on the ballot in November of 2019, and it ended up passing by a 64 to 36 percent margin for uh, for the issue that Cleveland Heights should citizens should have a say and be the be the ones that elect their mayor. So now, Tony, we'll start with you. For now, in your mind, though, before Citizens for an Elected Mayor, like this issue sort of started to bubble in 2015, right? Would you say that that's fair? And what's the what what what, what do you see? When did you see the people of Cleveland Heights start to sort of agitate for the possibility that they could elect their mayor? And why
0: did they want it? So in 2015, I was actually unaware of the fact that there were, you know, five or six people meeting in the living room talking about this. And it did go on for a little while, but it never went anywhere. And then I think once the Charter Review Commission was appointed in 2017, everybody who was thinking about putting it on the ballot actually that year in 2017 said you know what let's see what the charter review commission comes up with and then we'll you know decide what we're going to do and that is when i first got involved in the issue i went to the very first charter review commission meeting which and jessica you're going to have to help me with this i want to say it was december of 2017 at the community center yes December. So, and, and that was my baptism. I, I sat and listened. I had an open mind. I honestly, at that point, uh, had not given much thought to, to changing the government. And I was unaware of the people that had met beforehand. Uh, but soon after became aware of that.
3: So Jessica, when did you Explain the Charter Review Commission and and sort of why it was um, why it was brought to um, together. Like it's not something that is brought together very often, right?
2: Yeah, in fact, so infrequently that the uh, Charter Review Commission was uh, last in two thousand seventeen was last convened before I was born. So that's how infrequently. Uh, and I'm I'm not that old, but I'm. Um, <laughs> I was in my early thirties. So yeah. And, and the charter, the the Cleveland Heights charter mandates that it should be convened every 10 years. So clearly that wasn't happening. Um, You know, Adam, you have an article that, you know, I think we all read back then kind of encapsulating how we got there, but interestingly enough, you know, there was this grassroots effort by a small group of Cleveland Heights residents that wanted to see this type of structural uh, governmental structure change. Um, And then when that was not happening quickly enough, and then city council saw that that was happening, you know, on a grassroots level, there was definitely more of uh, a move towards formalizing the process. And I think, you know, I can only speculate, but certainly the coverage then uh, said that, you know, council was looking to formalize it to have more of a control over the process, but also just literally to formalize it so we could have the process that our city charter laid out in the first place for this type of change.
3: So the Charter Review Commissions was, was called together and it was basically what, 50 or 60 citizens applied to be on this and its job was to look at the ch- original charter and decide if what changes if any needed to be made?
2: Well, so interestingly enough, they, um, they had to um, pass an, a resolution and in the resolution, they were very specific around what our charge was as a charter review commission. It wasn't, you know, do whatever you want, we're gonna just appoint these people. So they decided on 15 appointees. I believe seven were appointed uh, directly by each council person, and then the, the eight remaining were appointed to get by council together. And I have the questions here, but the, the overriding question was, what is the problem the commission is trying to solve by considering a change to the Cleveland Heights current form of government? And then overall thinking what's in the best interest of the city of Cleveland Heights. And if anybody watched the videos or came to the meetings, you know, this charge, these three questions, then an overriding objective came up time and time and time again. And I'm sure we'll talk more about our discussions on the commission as we go through this, uh, this meeting.
3: And Tony, were you going to every, how many of the meetings did you go to?
0: I mean, up until the time they said, we are not going to change the form of government. In other words, keep the keep the uh, city manager form of government. I went to, I believe every meeting, I maybe missed one, but I was, I was there. I spoke at, I think almost every meeting and I listened very, very carefully.
3: So maybe Tony, go ahead and explain a little bit. What is our current form of government And, and how would you describe it to someone?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, a city manager form of government, you know, the, it's actually pretty simple. The seven council people, choose a person to manage the city. They call the city manager. That person is the chief operating officer. The council sets the agenda and the city manager carries it out.
3: And um, Jessica, as the meetings, as you guys start to have meetings about potentially changing uh, the city, uh, the form of government, my understanding as a a passive sort of peripheral listener to what was going on was it was pretty clear from early on that there weren't the numbers were not there to change the form of government was that is that fair
2: um well i think you know it's hard to know exactly what everybody was was thinking we had set out um first of all everybody was asked to come to it with an open mind you know, those that did, I hope they did. Those that didn't, you know, we can't do anything about that now. Um, but at a certain point, I think it took us about six months to get to the, the vote that Tony was talking about, where we actually made a decision around whether we would move towards a, a mayor, elected mayor government or a uh, council manager uh, government. But in between there, we had a check-in and I think it was about three months in and everybody kind of gave their thoughts. And I think that at that point, for sure, it was public and clear that there were um, about three of us that were really interested in looking at either a strong, um, what they called strong mayor, but an elected mayor form of of government. And I would say um, two were very interested in that. I had come to learn about the model that Shaker Heights had which is an elected mayor along with a city administrator, which was very interesting to me. It seemed like the merger of, you know, the best of both worlds. So I was very excited about that at that point. And everybody else um, were, definitely did not see, again, I think, you know, if you watch those videos, a lot of references to, you know, this won't solve the problems Cleveland Heights has. An elected mayor won't actually solve the problems that the citizens are speaking about. And that, to your point, you know, was definitely the the mood most of the way in. And that didn't really change uh, throughout the rest of the conversation for the remaining months of that part of our deliberations.
3: Eric, do you remember uh, looking at the way things were progressing at that point? Were you, did you have an opinion about the way things were progressing at that stage?
1: Well, I, my take on it was sort of the jaded, cynical Cleveland City Council doing know they don't want change so they're just going to have a committee that's going to meet and come back and tell them what they want to hear that status quo is status quo so I took it with a grain of salt now conversely I recall Ron Register and myself meeting at city hall with uh, two members of council in 16 or 17
3: and fellow school board member yeah Mm -hmm.
1: thank you for the footnote uh and uh from the tone of the conversation, I got the vibe that those members of council were open to or interested in going to an elected mayor form of government. So this is before all this rigmarole got that, that that vibe, but I felt, you know, I figured, you know, I looked at who was on the commi- commission with all due respect and I was like, okay, this is just, uh, it's uh, the usual usual and they're not gonna change anything. Um, okay. I can't recall if that was one of the committees I applied for and didn't get onto with the city or not. I know the two. I know Tony beat me out for the final four. Both times I didn't make the final four for the vacancy. But uh, I, again, it was like, oh, I'll apply. I know I won't get onto it, but so be it.
0: You know, I'm going to go along with uh, Eric here. I kind of early on had a, a feeling that uh, I wasn't sure. You know, I was starting to get this vibe about how things were going to go. Uh, Larry Keller was the chair and he was chosen, not the chair, but the uh, facilitator. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a member of ICMA, actually won awards with the International City Administrations Association. He was Tanisha Briley, our current city manager's former professor. He said in the first meeting, I'm for the city manager form of government. I mean, there was a lot of stuff to take in you know, early on when you're starting this process that's supposed to be kind of exploratory and you know, nobody's, nobody has their mind made up. So, you know, there were indications pretty early on that, you know, things, as Eric said, might go towards the status quo.
3: So, um, Jessica, what were you learning in the, during the the, the ongoing deliberations? Like you met, uh, did you meet a, it's 50 times? How many times did you meet over over two years,
2: um, according to my husband, way too many uh, <laughs> because those were two nights every week and uh, three hours plus every meeting. So that was quite the uh, quite the commitment. Uh, yeah, we did. I think in the report, the final report, it said we had over sixty interviews, either in person or ones that we did outside of the council and then reported back in uh, outside the commission. Excuse me, and then reported back in and. I think, you know, we brought all the right people. I I don't think we really missed a segment. Um, We had developers, we had business owners, we had other mayors of different cities. We had, uh, obviously residents were allowed to share public comments. And then we had a community meeting uh, once during this deliberation process as well, where they were allowed to give feedback. And we also heard from from most of the members of council during this during this process as well and city staff and of course you know you have to wonder how freely city staff uh can speak when obviously this is some of it is an assessment of their of their boss so that was you know we were all aware of that as well i think that with these type of uh forums it's very easy to hear what you'd like to hear Or to take the information and then filter it through, you know, what, how you think that this should either go in the end or what you think might be best, you know, regardless of the feedback. And I'll also say, you know, during this process, there was definitely a sense by many of the commission members, and I don't think it's an unfair assessment, that, you know, they were chosen to make these decisions, not necessarily to be representative of the public writ large, you know, or residents writ large. And so, you know, I think that most of the commission saw this as a you know, representative democracy situation, as opposed to, you know, every night we, every night we meet, we have 10 people come up and speak about how we need an elected mayor. And so we should, you know, follow their, follow their lead. And so that dynamic is part of this too, is what really was our charge. Is it to represent the public, the the will of the public or the opinions of the public, or is it to sit as a body and actually assess, you know, through our own personal lens and if you think about the makeup of the commission, you know, it wasn't quite representative of the city. I'm not sure that would have changed things per se. Um, And I also, I'll just throw out my assessment. You know, my background is in policy and politics and government. And so, you know, from the get-go elections of anybody didn't scare me, but there was a lot of conversation during the commission about how once you open this up to elections, you don't know who's going to get Elected and I think that that fear from folks that were that are unfamiliar with that and certainly haven't experienced in Cleveland Heights definitely came through, you know, quite a bit in our conversations and and, in our decisions in the end.
3: But did the Commission know that uh, recognize the disconnect between the general sentiment from the community.
2: Oh, I think the community made it more than clear that there was a disconnect between the conversations we were having as a body and the public comment and the feedback that we got from the from the community meeting. Um, and, and it was very clear. And again, I think it was just, you know, kind of relying on that, that may be the public, this may be the public we're just hearing, you know, there's a sense maybe the folks that are most passionate about this are coming out right and those that really want a council manager system are not coming out, which, which you know, maybe that could be selective, you know, um, selective engagement. Um, and then also just the sense that we're hearing all of this information and we have the, you know, right or ability to vote our conscious and that's what we've been asked to do. So we're going to go ahead and, and do that at the end of this process.
3: Tony, how did you feel about that disconnect?
0: Well, oh, was there uh you know, right from the start, you know, to me, the answer to the question, what government is best for Cleveland Heights? It's the government that the people want. That's the answer to the question. The people get to decide how they want to be governed. The, the answer to the question isn't what we 15 people think. Um, I, you know, and, and, and I have to tell you, you know, uh, some of the people in the Charter Review Commission ended up being some of the people that were on the, you know, the opposition team. And later on, what we ended up hearing in the campaign was, um, oh, they wanna give all the power to one person. Well, that's not how government works. There are three branches of government and there's separation of powers and there's checks and balances. So that was never the case. And of course, you know, we ended up, and I gotta say Jessica in particular, and I'm not just saying that because that she's on this podcast, she was the, you know, she was not, you know, she, you know, this bed's too hard, this bed's too soft. She was right there kind of looking at, well, how can we do this in a way? She was the one advocate, I, I, I think just the only person, that I remember actually talking about a hybrid form of government and, I, and listen, nobody on citizens for an elected mayor wanted to deprofessionalize city hall. And ultimately we did end up, you know, having a city administrator as part of the government, people you're are used to having uh, a, a professional person run day-to-day operations, but uh, the lack of leadership, you, you know, the fact that a lot of people were saying, coming up to the microphone saying, nobody is in charge. I, I wanna give you one example. Two people came up and testified, two developers came up and testified. They looked, the 15 of the Charter Review Commission people in the eye, and they said, you can not do business in Cleveland Heights. And these developers, gave one story after, this, they didn't just throw stuff. They said, here's, here's a deal that fell through. Here's a phone call that didn't get returned. Here's an opportunity that was lost. And they went into some detail. Now here's what, You know, obviously you, you never want to hear it. you can't do business in Cleveland Heights. But what bothered me was Tanisha Briley, our city manager was brought up after these two men spoke and nobody on the charter review commission said, hey, Those two guys just said, and they mentioned her by name in a couple of instances, they said, we can't do business here. Nobody asked that question. Now, let's think about this. We're trying to figure out what kind of government is best. These 15 people are charged with figuring out what kind of government is best. These developers brought up something that was troubling, and nobody asked a question. That's, that's That's a flashing red light for me. You, you, I mean, the the, the the question have to be, you know, Miss Briley, what say you, you just heard these, these men said, you can't do business here. What do you say? I mean, to me, she should have been able to hit that. That would have been a question that you hit out of the park, right? You just say, well, no, no, it didn't happen this way. But we we never got to hear, and you know, so kept going.
3: Jessica, when you look back on it, do you think that the overlying, that it was fear of, Driving most of the people that were against it, or really, was it really a form of government issue that people thought the city manager form was best for us?
2: Well, you know, obviously it's complex. I think, and I can't speak for you know, I can't speak for what was in everybody's minds. Only from my recollection, you know, of our our conversations together uh, on the commission, I think that there was also a question which we haven't talked about yet tonight: of is the problem the person? That's holding the city manager position, or is the problem, is the problem the structure of the government? And I certainly felt like my experience, and I've said I said this, you know, throughout the commission, I have a problem with the lack of long-term planning that the city has done, the lack of vision, the where we are now with sewer and water, and the fact that I'm paying for the mistakes of our city manager, you know, from 20 years ago not taking care of this correctly. We're paying right now, we're gonna be paying for garbage for not taking care of our sanitation uh issues and making sure that we have uh, a modern day fleet of sanitation trucks all of that is because of lack of city manager leadership and also responsiveness i mean tony alluded to it i was on the board of future heights uh from that early on back in 2015 with that severance uh community meeting where we couldn't get anybody to show up and i would sit in future heights boards meeting board meetings hearing over and over again that tanisha was not answering our our calls and so now, a
3: lot of people showed just sorry to interrupt a lot of people showed up for that first severance meeting but just you're saying no one from the city showed up
2: yes the like, city did not say right. yeah. yes correct there were a very good there was a very good turnout from this from the city residents but no one from the city administration and i've heard that with developers my friends who do biz, you know business owners here in cleveland heights um and so i think that all of those problems which many of us brought to the table the response was often, well, that's a person problem, that's not a governmental structure problem. And, you know, I think by the middle of this, I had a thought that maybe we would have this, uh, you know, constitutional convention, Alexander Hamilton moment, where Carla, myself, or Al Snodgrass, Carla Altenberg, myself or Al Snodgrass would say something really, you know, groundbreaking and everybody would see that there's another way. And um, it just didn't happen. We kept getting the response of, you know, we're we're not sure how an election would pan out. We don't feel like this is really a structure issue. It's really a person issue, and we're not going to upend, you know, this whole system for all the reasons that we've been laying out over the last few months.
3: Did 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 most of those people agree though that Cleveland Heights was not like optimizing its value? Like, did people think that like things are just great? Like, what were those people? What what generally was the excuse? where our our situation
2: i that's a good question i might pass that over to tony because i don't know if i can speak for you know from my recollection i don't know if tony you had a had a sense i was clear i thought there were a number of problems that needed to be solved as were a few other people but tony what do you what do you remember i mean i
0: got the sense that most of the people on the charter review commission felt that the city manager form of government has served us well for 98 years at that time and uh you you know, that yes, we have problems like regular inner ring, you know, inner ring suburb problems, but they weren't extraordinary and any problems we did have had nothing to do, you know, as Jessica was saying, nothing to do with the form of government, but rather, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe personnel problems and so forth. Um, But I think people were generally satisfied with the way things were, you know, I, I look at the city manager form of government as part of the reason why, I think it, it puts people to sleep as far as the voters go. You know, there's, there's no real leadership that you're voting for. So you, I, I've seen disengagement over the decades and decades I've been here. And it's, I do think it is partially the form of government because you're not choosing the leader. And I don't think people look at council as the place where things get done, you know, they kind of, say, well, there's this manager person that does it. But then I've told you the story about going door to door in 2019 and almost nobody, I mean, they had a hundred years to explain. And when I say they, I mean, whoever was, you know, in government for that. They had a hundred years to explain to the people of Cleveland Heights, here's what our form of government is and here's how it works. Almost nobody knew. I knocked on doors and and the common, most common answer was, wait, wait, we don't vote for mayor. What? And I was, no, we, you know, we don't, we never have, you know, the city manager has chosen my You know, I had to explain the whole thing. And then, you know, most people jumped at the chance to say, yeah, I'd love to have that, that choice.
3: So Jessica, what else do you think is important to talk about in terms of the charter review commissions work? Like wh- how did things sort of like wind up?
2: Well, so we, First, I'll say it's very important to know that the structure of government was not the only uh, amendment or changes to the charter that the Charter Review Commission in- brought to council for approval. In fact, after the first you know six months or so when we dispensed with the questions of whether it's a mayor or a council manager or if it's a ward system for council or at large, we moved on to an article by article analysis of the charter, which was desperately needed because i mean gender neutral language uh the fact that it still had old departments listed for department heads i mean things that should be refreshed every 10 years as per the charter but had never Um, and we suggested inclusion of an ethics uh section which is de rigueur you know for the most part in city charters and finally, I will point out a change to the council uh, absent council empty seat appointment uh, situation, which I was very um, enthusiastic about. I we I personally felt like this was critical. I also applied for council years and years ago um, when Jeanine Boyd was uh, finally appointed, and that also was a, a interesting process. They they took it. They opened it. They took it back. They opened it up again, rife with you know issues and inconsistencies. We submitted that to -hmm. council in the hopes that that would help solve even a small problem, even if council didn't agree with the rest of it, you know, there were bits and pieces that could be taken care of. And, uh, and there really hasn't been movement on that yet. So to me, that's a disappointment. I was disappointed during the process when we had uh, a council member tell us that he didn't think that council was going to take up our changes. And you know, we're all 15 of us whether you know we got the outcome we wanted or not spent hundreds of hours. Uh, working on this and for it for it to sit um so long is is really a little bit demoralizing and it and it's it's um it's upsetting I think for the entire city that so much work was put in and so many important changes were suggested aside from this core issue and they're still not taken up
0: and and you know I might add uh, citizens for elected mayor looked at a lot of those uh amendments that uh, the charter review commission came up with and and a lot of them were brilliant i, I mean there was a lot of Times where they would just take a part of the amendment—I'm sorry, part of the charter—and just reword it in a way that was just made it so much more clear. Uh, and you know, there was a lot of that kind of work. It's that you know, real grunt work of just kind of like breaking things down. And and I think they did it very well. And it is a shame. Our our charter—I'll tell you this: our charter is not that good for a city manager form of government, but it's way off. For the government that we're, that's about to take, see, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the charter, uh, and uh, and 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 I guess we we owe the charter review commission a debt of gratitude because a lot of that work is done. A lot of that work is done now. Whether council agrees on whether it should be that or I mean, that's that's certainly up for you know debate. But uh, but there was a lot of good work done.
3: Well, council could look a lot different come November, right? So, and four seats, a lot of change coming, quite likely, it sounds like. So, um, and, but on the, on the core issue, Jessica, what did you guys decide?
2: Well, so ultimately we took a vote and we decided to retain the council manager, city manager council form of government. And then some, obviously the, the changes that we made to the charter thereafter was based on that. That threshold issue, uh, but that you know this. And Tony, you'll have to help me on the timeline. But it was very soon after that decision was made that the you know citizens' initiative for issue twenty six began um, due to a disappointment in that in that decision.
0: Yeah. So in August of uh, two thousand eighteen, that's when we first started getting together uh, and talking about uh, putting together what wasn't then Citizens for an Elected Mayor, but putting together a campaign. And uh, in May, Who's was we, Tony. We. Oh, geez. I had to write all the names down so I didn't forget. So Len Friedson, Michael Bennett, Pat, Patrick Akers, Mark Chop, Rhonda Davis Lovejoy, Susan Afriamson, Gene Gordon, Tanya Horn, and Rob Rivera and myself. Uh, some of the people came along kind of you know, not everybody was there in the beginning, but uh, eventually how did you guys we
3: were... know each other. Like, what? What? Is... This is not just like four neighbors, right? Like, what's the connection with? You this- You want
0: community? to hear something funny? None of us knew each other. <laughs> That's the funny part. We did not know each other. Um, it, there's a long story to to each one of these, um, but uh, Bob Brown uh, had talked to me about attending the Charter Review Commission meetings. And it was through my relationship with Bob and I've known his wife forever. Her and I go back to the early nineties working on statewide campaigns. Uh, So, uh, you know, Bob had introduced me to Mark Chupp and Michael Bennett. And then, you know, eventually I had met some of these other people and I was always asking, I asked Davida Russell to join us at one point as a matter of fact, Uh, you know, she she eventually decided to run for council. Uh, But we, you know, the 10 of us started meeting and in May of 2019, in less than three weeks, we collected 4000 signatures. Uh, and that that was when the campaign really started to kick off. I mean, we saw just from, I, mean, I don't know that that's ever been done before, uh, you know, where, where you could collect that many signatures in 20 days, we actually collected it in 20 days. And that told us that uh, the city was ready for a change. And there were people on council who actually said out loud, oh, those 4,000 people, they're just signing. <laughs> I mean, this actually got, well, oh, they're just signing a piece of paper. That doesn't mean they'll vote for it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know.
3: Um, okay, so you get the 4,000 signatures that quickly. And then uh, what
0: What comes next? Uh, well, actually in between the time we got together and the 4,000 signatures, we had to write the amendment. And we hired an attorney, a firm. I mean, there was so much work that went in. We had many um, uh, uh, town hall type meetings uh, at libraries and so forth to gauge, you know, how people felt about this. Uh, the Charter Review Commission did do a, a town hall or two, and I know they did an online survey. But we wanted to do our own, you know, our own work with uh, uh, with the public and see where they were at. Then we wrote the charter amendment. Uh, that was very difficult. I mean, you know, none of us had ever done it before. Um, it's and, gotta be uh, right,
3: right? Like there has to be, you can't it, it has to be totally buttoned up.
0: It, it has to be perfect. And uh, there was a lot of debate about the entries, you know, with the 10 of us and, uh, but we, we had a subcommittee working on it and, uh, and they did an excellent job. Gene Gordon and Len Friedson in particular, I wanna shout out to them. They, they really worked hard on it. And uh, then once, so that language has to be on your charter petitions. So you have to, you kind of have to go in the order that we went which, you know, totally made sense. So after that, you know, we had a campaign plan, uh, you know, over the summer, we were attending every event we could and talking to anybody that, you know, going to football games and, you know, in the late summer and uh, early fall. And uh, we had, a, we had, we walked the entire city at one point or another, over the summer and then uh, the the two months leading right up to the election, we knocked on almost, you know, that's gonna say we went into every apartment building, okay? But we knocked on almost every door on almost every street in Cleveland Heights. And we raised $48,000, which I would have never, ever believed we could have done. Just so you know, the opposition raised over $60,000. So this was, a, this was a serious campaign. And full disclosure, I have run campaigns before, many, statewide. I've been, uh, you know, I worked for Bill Clinton's uh, on, on his staff in 92 and 96. So I had done campaigns before, and I told people, I said, look, if you guys leave it to the voters, this is gonna be a serious campaign. Um, and, you know, they said, try me. And I said, okay, let's do it. And we, uh, we were Eric, obviously successful.
3: Eric, uh... Eric, you want to enlighten the people on where most of the funding came for the uh, the, anti, uh, the anti-issue 26 campaign?
1: Uh, now, I haven't do- dove into that, those finances. I think it was a lot of, I don't want to say special interest money, but I, I, if memory serves, there was a significant donations from like the city manager, basically the advocacy group for city managers, shockingly. And why, the would, they
3: want, why would they be worried about us changing our form of government, the oh. International City Managers Association?
1: Well, because then there's one less city manager. So it, it basically it's repudiation of their of their business model. So it's it's the quintessential example of politics where, you know, this is a this is a proxy war for them. Um, my take from watching the campaign, which I thought was excellent from the from from Tony's side was, you know, I was sort of on the fence. I had no I shared everyone's exhaustion and contempt and or exhaustion and tiredness from the contempt that you'd get from city hall. Um, and for me, the real crystallizer for that was top of the hill is I, I know I'm not trying to have like some, some heavy, hot heavy, heavy hitter or, or big mocker when I'm going to talk to council people, what have you, but I'm getting nothing from them. And it was really irritating me to see the, the level of dysfunction on that project. Um, I had serious reservations about moving to a elected mayor, not because I didn't like the idea, but perhaps who might be waiting in the wings for it. But the more I heard the status quo argument, the more I pivoted to, hey, you know, change it, because this are, I could craft a better argument to keep it than they were putting forward. And I was like, no, I'm all in on the elected mayor because this is just not working. And I thought Tony and his crew did a phenomenal campaign, especially when you're being outspent and then you beat them by that margin. That's when I, when I heard the 4,000 signatures in a month. Um, that's like, that's shocking. That shows you there's a real drive. And, and like Tony said about people not understanding uh, the form of government, I remember, you know, I, I, my old adage was if you're a judge running for office, nobody stops you at the door. If you're a city council candidate, one out of five. If you were a school board, everybody stops you. So people not knowing how city government works, you know, we have a mayor and vice mayor, but people, oh, we don't elect them. It's like, I'm not surprised that you were hearing that response from people, sadly.
3: Jessica, were you happy? I think you're happy with how issue 26 ended up being crafted, right? You want to describe it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, for this entire Charter Review Commission, I kept saying, there's another option, you know, and nobody seemed to really glob on. And, and it's next door, you know, it's right there. It's, it's going to be fine, you know. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, the c- Citizens for Elected Mayor landed on what we were calling the hybrid, you know, model, where it's an elected mayor along with a uh, charter required uh, city administrator, whatever that person is called, you know, it's chief administrative officer or, um, and I, I, you know, when, when I learned that that's where CEM landed, you know, I, I was personally thrilled because I felt like that was the combination, like Tony said, of the professionalism at City Hall. We certainly don't want to put uh, the 40,000 residents of Cleveland Heights in the hands of one person with no experience you know, running a municipal government, millions and millions of, of dollars, million, multi-million dollar budget. Uh, we want that professionalism, but we need the dynamism and the leadership and the vision of someone who is accountable to the voters and that you don't have in a city council, uh, city manager uh, structure. We just don't. And for all the arguments to the contrary, you know, we saw in real life over decades of experience, you know, collectively as a city that that responsiveness and vision does not really exist. And and I will say, I'll just say because, I, you know, as chair of the planning commission, I work with the, the city administrative staff on a regular basis. We have phenomenal city staff. I mean, we have truly oh, talented, fantastic municipal staff who know their jobs inside and out, but they need... We need, as a city, the vision and the leadership to bring those teams to where we'd like the city to go. And we just haven't had that. And so this really, the, the Citizens for Elected Mayor initiative was giving us the best of both worlds. And so, you know, when, when I found that out, I was, I was thrilled.
0: I hope you don't mind, but I, I did steal that from you. <laughs> and,
2: I, I, thank you for, for saying so, because no, I spent all that time, you know, at these meetings and I felt like nobody was listening. <laughs> I
0: mean, when I when I would do interviews, I would actually quote you. <laughs>
2: thank you, thank you. Uh, maybe maybe I did have my Alexander Hamilton moment then. In the end.
0: Uh,
3: just on tape delay a little bit. Yeah,
2: exactly. So
3: Tony, you uh, you had to be, think things were going well I would think with the campaign to uh, to pass issue twenty six, especially when um, the anti issue twenty six crowd really decided to rely on fear mongering and not argue the benefits of their system.
0: Yeah, I mean they, you know, they got thirty thousand dollars from uh, that city managers association and then raised another 30,000 from a pretty small group of people. So yeah, I, we, I, I have to tell you, I was, I don't know if the word is intimidated, but I was like, you know, when I heard this say no to political deals thing, I was thinking, you know, oy, but I was also thinking, sometimes this kind of stuff works, you know, this negative type of campaigning. And I, I gotta be honest with you, even on election night, I wasn't sure how things were going to go. I really wasn't. I did. I really never had that feeling. I just thought we needed to do everything we could, um, you know, to make our case. And obviously, you know, we did. But um, no, it was it was difficult. It was it was difficult. And in your yes, it was very negative. And I do, you know, I feel great about our campaign, but I don't feel good about the debate that w- that went on that year. I don't. I, I think this, I think the citizens of Cleveland Heights got cheated out of, a, out of really what is a legitimate debate because I, I mean, it's not like this, the city manager form of government, I do believe is a legitimate form of government like for Moreland Hills, you know, for, for you know, when you're just managing, you know, kind of like day-to-day operations, you, you don't have poverty, you don't have crime, you don't, you know, all the, you know, del- you know older housing stock. I mean, everything we deal with here Requires a very nimble government and a lot of leadership and 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 you know just by the definition city manager you're managing you're not you're not leading you're not charged with leading and you know I I I wish we could have had that debate I just think I mean I don't think it really matters that much now but I think it would have been a better thing for the community as opposed to hearing the kind of stuff that they heard that year. Um, you know, and 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 I got unfortunately that happens during the uh, school levy campaigns too. You know, we, there's one thing that Cleveland Heights could do a lot better that has nothing really to do with government, and that's have, you know, communication in a in a in much more civil discourse. You know, with much more substance. We're very capable of doing it. A lot of smart people, but um, yeah, in in that instance, I thought I thought uh, it was less than it should have been.
3: Well, hopefully here at the podcast, uh, we'll be contributing to, uh, you know, improving the, the level of discourse uh, on some very, uh, you know, important topics. You know, it's, this stuff's not going away. We've got a lot of other stuff to deal with um, and it's going to be a crazy year. Um, Tony, how would you sort of like, how would you sort of take us home in terms of how things wrapped up with the CEM campaign? What are, what are the things you think are important to note in terms of how you guys um, got this done,
0: um, I I don't know that I would change uh, very much at all. I mean, you know, there's a couple of blocking and tackling things that we didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't feel like our absentee ballot campaign, <laughs> like anybody, any of your listeners want to hear about this, but you know, I thought that could have been better. But the thing the thing that I think I'm taking away now is. You know, there was a lot of angst last year and early this year, and I'm sure it'll continue. Oh, my God, who's going to run for mayor? You know, like, I hope it's going to be good people. You know, well, we have four candidates, and I I suspect that that there will be more. And uh, there seems to be more interest, Jessica, in the council race, you know, and that's a good thing. You know, a lot of times when we have council races in Cleveland Heights, you know, there's four seats up and five people run. Well, I, I think it's going to be different this year. And I think this is healthy. I see much more interest in municipal government than I saw before. And maybe that's because I want to see it, but I I, I don't know. Maybe, Eric, you could weigh in on this because I think you're impartial. Uh, do you see more interest in in municipal government now? or?
1: Well, I, I think what I, uh, your point about the council races, I think, is key because it is true. It's usually been... Uh, there's, four, four, there's three seats, four people, maybe five run, and one or two of those people who've run have been, it's sort of a passion project for them, but yeah. they haven't been successful for whatever reasons we could go into. Um, and I think one of the things that which sort of ties into the city manager component too, is that I think this has been, I think fueling this discontent with council is that for years, People pretty much did a full term or two full terms or even you know multiple full four-year terms, and then they would cycle off. But in the last 10 years, we've had a huge number of people leave and have all these fractional terms, which had a real high amount of turnover, which, again, when you add in that city manager form of government, has been very negative. So I think with all the tumult and conversation, I think it really is increasing the the interest in in the campaigns, um, as we even saw last time with 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 folks, I think you know with I think it's four four seats up for for grabs this year, coupled with two members of council running for the mayor at least at this juncture can theoretically running. I mean, five of the six people who were on council are theoretically their seat or they. Are running for office. I mean, again, which then begs the question of, of turnover, because I'm, I'm a big proponent of institutional history. And if you lost your city manager, and you have a whole litany of new council people, I think that, that's, what I think, puts more impetus on that new mayor being someone who's really
0: good. But we have Susanna Neerman, who is yeah. the <laughs> institutional memory leader, uh, yeah. I, I would say, in any community. I mean, <laughs> she's... Uh, She's really something and we're, we're she's very special and, and we do have her and, and it's, it's, a, it's a huge asset.
1: Well, and that goes to the conver- con- I think everyone said, I think definitely Jessica, staff are real, yeah, you know, I we've, the the actual people doing the work are great folks. It's been my primary challenge aside from when I contact them and say, hey, can I have some information? And they ignore four emails and then they don't respond to the question though. But for the most part, they're hardcore serious. I I think some of the best stuff we ever did was Susanna's work back in the day. Um, They used to have these great little marketing flyers for the architecture of different neighborhoods, these phenomenal pieces when the city had money, but it was a great marketing tool and I'm pretty sure that was under her. Um, So no, Susanna, I mean, I've been doing this uh, almost as long as, almost Jessica's 35. I've been doing this for 30 years, but, Susanna was there when I started on school board in 93 and yeah. she was pretty steeped in it. She so was they, a
3: veteran then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Eric's, Eric mentioned last week, he's pretty sure that he handed me my diploma in 94.
1: Well, I said I might have handed you your
3: diploma. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that makes me feel <laughs> real old.
3: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: And I am a High graduate too, as well, by the way. That's right. Yeah. Um.
3: So what's next now, Tony? What's the timetable? Like, what should we be, What should citizens be thinking about here over the next uh, eight months?
0: No, that's a good question. Uh, I've done three forums where I've been the kind of education guy on this. So uh, March 18th, uh, candidates for council and mayor can start uh, distributing their uh, petitions uh, and getting them signed. Uh, they have to be turned in by June 16th. And then there, if there are more than two candidates for mayor, and looks like there will be, uh, there will be a primary election on September fourteenth, and then November second is the general election. So eight months to the general election, a uh, little more than six months to the primary, and uh, you know, I look at it this way: June sixteenth, we'll know who's running.
2: Right.
1: I I do have a question: Why is it that we're the, I'm not sure if this is the ballot language or the city, why is it that it's, if there's more than two, we have a primary as opposed to the inverse of if nobody got 50%, then there's a runoff.
0: Yeah, I mean, that certainly could have been, um, that could have been a way to go. And I, I mean, I don't remember right now why The one was chosen over the other. I can tell you that we wanted a primary because we did not want somebody to win with 22 percent of the vote, and that you know without a primary that could very well happen. Um, But you know, Eric, you you bring up a good point. I I I know that was debated. I don't have a memory of exactly why it was, you know, because that's like what they did in Georgia, for instance, in this last Senate election. And, and that does make sense uh, as well. But, uh, you know, anyway, we decided with this and it's, it's, a, it's a primary that's already scheduled on the uh, Cuyahoga County Board okay. of Elections, uh, uh, you know, schedule. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, it wasn't a special election. So we, we kind of went that way.
2: Yeah, I I don't know about the reasoning, but I'll add, you know, special elections do cost money, so that may have been a big factor. And then also, this cycle allows both the newly elected mayor and the next council to be sworn into office at the beginning of the year altogether, so a runoff might have extended that, you know, having a kind of a staggered start, which probably isn't good, considering we all want to kind of dive into this next, you know, the next term uh, with a new government.
1: I mean, I, understand. I mean, both of you are making points that make a lot of sense. The reason why I was sort of questioning that was because from a, a campaign standpoint, to me, the, the fact that you have the primary in August, if I remember correctly, and then you've got the, the general, is that sort of favors, again, gaming out different scenarios. I think that somebody who's a, who either has a very large war chest or a lot of experience, that then sort of favors that it, or I should say it could favor that kind of a candidate because yeah, theoretically, again, it's all how it's, it really ends up being what the field ends up being to a high degree. I think that really will determine what, what the outcomes are. The other question I, I had was, was there any thought that because this is all from scratch and we've, seen, we've already seen what's happening from two people who decided to tentatively at least initially run, you have two members of council. Was there ever thought any thought of, I don't. I don't even know if you could do a prohibition where it's you can't be a sitting member of council to run for mayor this first time. Was, was that even? Considered? That was never discussed. Okay. Okay. I mean, right, right now we've got two. I mean, theoretically, you could have uh, even more of them. But I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if you know if somebody else hopped in. To be honest,
3: Jessica, any uh, final thoughts on? Um on this the last couple of years and how we got here? Anything else you think is important to note?
2: Well, I'm, I'm relieved we're here. It, those that remember, there was a real push that w- the Charter Review Commission would finish by May of 2018 to get this on the ballot for 2018. And then 2021 seemed like it was light years away, way too far. I will say, I feel like the intervening years have passed rather quickly. Um, I think maybe to our benefit, allowing us to really think through and ramp up and allowing the city some more planning time, which I hope that they are taking advantage of. You know, There's a lot of questions there and I think there's gonna be a lot of oversight. And I think that we're gonna have to move into this next phase for Cleveland Heights, which is oversight, uh, making sure that our governmental structure is in full alignment with the new elected mayor structure and having a council and a mayor that are responsive to the city, that are looking long-term, uh, have a vision for what the city should be like in 20, 30, 50, 100 years, if we can go that far. And, and we should continue this tradition that we have in Cleveland Heights of being civically engaged. I mean, this would not have happened without the time, talent, and treasure of all of these uh, Cleveland Heights residents that really made this issue their own, and I think that's incredibly special. It makes me incredibly proud to be a resident of this city. I'm a native New Yorker, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. You know, Cleveland Heights transplant. So, makes me proud to live here and and be a resident. And I'm just looking to see that that continue over not only till the election, but certainly in the years to come.
3: Tony, any final thoughts on uh, what we should expect here moving forward?
0: I mean, amen. It's it, you know, this is oh jeez. Here comes the dog um i think this is going to be a great year i, I mean i can feel the interest and um, you know the phone's always ringing people are always sending emails you know what's going on I, I you know again four candidates already running for uh mayor and it's we haven't even gotten to the beginning of the petition point at this time um you know these are good people qualified people um I'm, I'm looking forward to this year. This is, uh, this is the year. This can be such a watershed year for Cleveland Heights. And I really am feeling like, you know, people want to see a council and a mayor work together and we need to pick up the pace. I snap my fingers for that. You know, we need to pick up the pace here and pick up our game. And I think people want to do it. I mean, I see that gleam in Jessica's eye. I mean, she's, you know, you, you have people like that on the planning commission and, and, you know, our citizens advisory committee is, is a wonderful group of people. We really, you know, we're headed, uh, we're, we're poised. I think we are very much poised to take on this challenge.
3: Well, there will no doubt, da- undoubtedly be some people who listen and watch this first podcast and, you know, want to know why we didn't get into sort of the interpersonal dynamics of some of the people on council that were against the initiative and some of the former... Um, council members and and other people who sort of uh, helped potentially sort of ignite some of the interest in having an elected mayor. I, I highly recommend you go read Hannah Leibovitz's uh, articles if you want more information on the, um, the sort of interpersonal uh, personality conflicts that sort of drove a lot of this as well. It's out there if you want to find it, but I think that um, Jessica and Tony, you guys did a great job of sort of articulating um, the process of, of how we got to a point that we are going to elect our first mayor in Cleveland Heights uh, ever um, this year. And um, I encourage everyone to uh, support the Heights Observer in any way that you possibly can. It is the, um, the greatest uh, community newspaper in Ohio based on, uh, I forget exactly who made that award, but that's, uh, that's, that was my understanding. And uh, let's keep it that way and, uh, and support the Observer always and um, thank you guys that's the first one we'll be doing this uh, twice a month Uh, moving forward we're going to start to interview the candidates here shortly uh, once the field is set and we're going to talk to our neighbors we're going to talk to people from east cleveland and from shaker and from university heights and south euclid and thanks guys uh that's it we'll um we'll see you next time